Sometimes we need to turn off our thinking brains and just sit back, relax, and enjoy a good fluffy rom-com. So says my compatriot Ryan multiple times in the upcoming episode, and I don't disagree with him. There are many movies that are just far more enjoyable if you stop thinking about them, stop expecting too much, and just sit back, relax, and enjoy a freaking movie. And not wonder why it's called Just Like Heaven the whole time when there's nothing about this movie in any way that really reflects the title. But ignorance, as they say, is bliss. And this movie is sweet. And I don't think it's trying to be much more than that. It's just a sweet, polite, sometimes fun rom-com starring Reese Witherspoon and Mark Ruffalo. And maybe that can be just like heaven for just the right person. Welcome, everybody, to A Gentleman's Guide to Rom-Coms. Wow. Yeah. Can Hey, Phil. Phil, do you want to check his levels? Yeah, I'm going to try to match it really quick, and you just uh, go ahead and level us out. Yeah, yeah. Has, this is, this is going to do it for you in the end? Okay, great. Yeah, I'm Kelly McCrillis. I'm Ryan Graves, and tonight I'll be Scottish with you. God damn it. Why? Hey, hi, Ryan. Why are you Scottish today? Because I'm excited to have my friend back. <laughs> nice and in person for the first time in six weeks. You know, yeah. You, you know, I'm happy to be here, too. I completely forgot how loud it was in this room. But you are you were right when, when you were like, hey, you come back from Atlanta because the whole space just feels a little echoey without you. I can see why now. You can hear me fine and clear, Lassie. Yeah, just fine. I love you. I'm so glad I'm back. Here, what? touch my hand. Uh. <laughs> we had to stretch and we're both old how are you feeling i'm doing good i've been working a lot this week just kind of settling back into the the feeling of being home how's your new home oh yeah we moved in ryan um well you know what i'm gonna give you the re award of most entertaining for the move ryan helped me move into my new place and that was um, kind of helpful I just, you guys, you guys didn't wait for me when I was going to pick up Sarah. You guys could have waited to get my heft. No, no, it was before that. <laughs> what? I was helpful. Um, my favorite thing was when we were talking about like HD TVs and the pluses and minuses and you were carrying, I think, a picture. That's what your wife handed me to take downstairs. <laughs> and we love you for it. Um, yeah, new place is good. You're nesting. No, we haven't really gotten to the nesting phase. It's more like... This is the very beginning of your nesting phase. You found your tree. You okay. haven't built the nest, but you've got the tree. No, yeah, we have the tree, and what we've done is thrown a bunch of sticks yeah. on a branch, and they're just everywhere, and we don't actually know what the shape of a nest is. Gotta start somewhere. We're just, like, laying a stick on top of another stick, and then we're, like, spitting on it, and we're like, do we need moss? Fuck, I think we gotta go to the store and get some fucking moss right now moss that's is important. about where we're at you need the moss um but yeah how are you uh, i'm good i went back to the office in downtown portland for the first time in nearly a year and a half how was it it was cool are you enjoying traveling in the morning has that worn off yet or are you i enjoy the traveling i didn't realize that i was missing me time this whole time ah yeah nothing like escaping the family well there's <laughs> Like I was listening to in a radio interview and they were in interviewing some film producer and he said, I don't have me time anymore. I didn't have the subway because he was like a hotshot New York sure. producer. I'm like, boo hoo. And then I was like, 
oh my gosh, because I was on the max. I'm like, this is glorious. It's really important to get your me time. I um I, I don't know what it's like yet to have a kid, but I can only imagine that the moments become more and more precious. And it's not about necessarily having something distract you. It's the ceremony of the me time. It's right. like something to market of like, I am I am unavailable for 20 minutes. For for and and not not checking your phone that's a big thing Mm-mm. for for a long time you and i were getting up at around six in the morning and very traditionally going somewhere and writing and that turned into writing at our houses when you had a kid yeah but um that kind of tradition of waking up making coffee sitting down in a time and place that's completely just by yourself oh mm, there's I'm, nothing like it i miss the rituals Bring yeah. back the rituals. I'm looking forward to the return of the rituals. Speaking of returning, uh, what's our what's our movie today? It's just like heaven, but you don't got a game for me? Oh, yeah, I do have a game for you. Hey, welcome to the Game Corner. Game Corner. The only corner we're allowed to play games in. Uh, today, Ryan, uh, we're going to play one of those, one of those classic, one of the most all-time, most remembered most lauded, most awarded games that we've ever played here on this show. Two lies, a truth, and a pizza place. <laughs> but there's only one lie and no pizza. Is there a Ryan Reynolds? No, no Ryan. Wait, was he in Two Guys, a Girl, and a Pizza Place? Uh-huh. I've never seen this show. Well, you can't use the name of the show in your game if you haven't seen the show. Do you know who wrote Duck, Duck, Goose? Um, that's written by Traditional. <laughs> All right, here's the game. Uh, for any of our first-time listeners, this is this is a game where Ryan has to guess which one of the movie synopses I'm telling him is a lie. I have two true ones, one false one that I have made up myself. Are you ready, Ryan? Uh-huh. Okay. Now, since we watched Just Like Heaven this week, the theme is ghosts. Ghosts. The first film corporate secretary nancy is accidentally killed by notorious mobster hank the tank gruesome who was attempting to murder her boss the next day she wakes up in her office building to find that she's not the only ghost currently haunting it Mm. together with a cadre of departed employees including the fanciable joe from accounting nancy attempts to save her boss from the mob what was that ride at Disneyland where you're Haunted in, Mansion? No. You're in an elevator and you like the elevator oh, goes towering inferno. Uh, no, no, no. Tower of Terror. Tower of Terror. Did you ever see the Tower of Terror Disney Channel original movie? No, I didn't. Almost intentionally, I think. I'm just getting Disney Channel original movie Tower of Terror vibes. Okay. Yeah. From that I mean description. So I, I feel that here too. It's feeling kind of realistic. Okay. Just after being killed in a car crash, Daniel Miller finds himself in the waiting area for the newly deceased. While there, one must prove in a courtroom-style process that they have successfully overcome their fears. Mm. While waiting around for his judgment, Daniel meets Julia in an afterlife comedy club and falls in love with her. Julia seems to have what it takes to move to the next stage of existence, but Daniel's worried that he'll be sent back and lose the one person he's ever loved. 
I think I know that movie. I think it's Defending Your Life, but I'm just going to... I think. Think. I think. <laughs> we'll go. We'll keep going. Okay. So, third movie. Based in the early 1900s, strong-willed widow Lucy decides to move to a house by the British seaside, even though it appears to be haunted. Ah! Sorry, I didn't mean to scare you. Sure enough, that very night she meets the ghost of former owner Captain Daniel. Luke Picard. (laughs) (laughs) But she refuses to be scared off. After Lucy gets used to the idea of a man's ghost haunting her bedroom, the two become friends, dare I say it, even allies. But Allies? What are they fighting? World War II? (laughs) But when a charming live man comes courting (laughs) for Lucy's heart. Give me a chance. I'm live. (laughs) Lucy and the captain must deal with their feelings for each other. Is her name Mrs. Muir? (laughs) I'm not telling you any of these things. Okay. I think the last one with the captain, I think that's the ghost of Mrs. Muir. I haven't seen it. I'm pretty sure the second one is defending your life because there's a life that the guy is defending. So the first one also gave off Tower of Terror decom vibes. <laughs> What's decom? Disney, oh, Disney Channel Con, original, original movie. movie. Yeah, very good. It was on the Disney Channel in the 90s. My favorite was the Phantom of the Megaplex. Had Mickey Rooney. Anyways, I'm going with fake story is the first one. You are correct, sir. Yeah! Is the second one defending your life and the third one that goes as Mrs. Muir? It is. I haven't seen either of them. So How do you... you had ah, this movie... This game is so hard with you. Well, the rule of thumb should be look up and see if there's a Criterion Collection edition of it. Because if there is, I've read the synopsis. Wait, are those both Criterions? I know that Defending Your Life just came out on Criterion for the first time. Dang. And Ghost of Mrs. Muir might be a, on there. This is a bad time for me to have picked those two. Robin came up with the Defending Your Life pick, and I did Ghost of Mrs. Muir. Oh, Robin. We, we you had don't it. think I've explored the Albert Brooks pantheon of <laughs> cinema? Um, she, She's actually, Marlin she brought from it up, Finding Nemo. Come she, on. She brought it up as a um, Albert Brooks movie first. And who uh, is that Meryl Streep or Helen Mirren? Yeah, Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep's in that one. Queen Meryl. Um, so Albert Brooks outpacing Meryl Streep for Robin. Well, thank you. You bested me. You could also done handshake. Bl- you could have uh, also done Blythe Spirit with uh, Rex Harrison. Or Ghosts of Girlfriends Past? Yeah, yeah. I would have caught on to that one. Um, you want to talk about this m- story of the movie that we just came here to talk about? Yes. Tell me a story, Turk. Let me tell you a story about love, D'Artagnan. I ask you about love, probably quote me a sonnet. I'm not much more than an interpreter, and not very good at telling stories. That's the end. What do you mean, that's the end? That's not. It's the beginning of something interesting. Listen, that's the end of that saga. The end. I really want to have a movie trailer voice because I want to be like, when workaholic Reese Witherspoon got her last cup of coffee at the hospital that she works in, she crashed her car. (laughs) That's why I'm not doing trailer voices. No, I actually like your trailer voice. Um, Can we talk about the car crash? Sure. Okay. So basically, uh, Reese Witherspoon, like Ryan, like the trailer guy, can you actually... um, can you talk in trailer voice just for the rest of the story bit? Yes. Okay. Reese Witherspoon. Okay, we'll get there. So, Reese Witherspoon. Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> Reese Witherspoon is a doctor. Donald Logue. <laughs> hold on. You have hold on. But you have to. Uh, the, if anything, the the trailer guy knows exactly when his voice is needed. 
pretend I'm the music and you be the trailer voice. Okay. <laughs> um, so she's a doctor, like you said. Yes. There we go. <laughs> she's a doctor and she works too hard. Right. And she won't go home and she's up for a promotion and she gets it, doesn't she? She sure does, Kelly. <laughs> I just want to make a call and response here. Okay. Let's, let's do the catechism. Let's of the movie trade fours. It's been too long of a day for this. Um, and she she is about to... She's texting while driving. So first off... Wait, don't do that. Don't do that. Click it or ticket, guys. Click it or ticket. <laughs> and she ends up... Um, does she end up running into the truck or is the truck on the wrong side of the road and she just didn't see it happening? She... Uh, <coughs> oh, he just died. God, sorry. I just died. I just, I just saw this. The, the 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 trailer guy died. So I think he's uh, I think he's a ghost in some other trailer now. So oh, bye, man. Bye. Goodbye. Um. Yes, she was. What was the question? Sorry, I was I was gonna a smoke break. So basically, she's driving. She's texting her sister because her sister's like, "You have to come over for this first date that I'm setting you up with this guy with." Mm -hmm. And then she's like texting back and. She looks up and there's these car lights in her, like this big semi truck that's coming down. San Francisco's coming to kill you. Like this, this semi truck is coming down the road in San Francisco, like a normal road in the residential area. I think she was running a red. That was my read. But it hits her straight on. Um, uh, I think she veered. Oh, she veered. Yeah. Okay. I mean, she was distracted. She would veer. Okay. She veered. It was hard for me to tell, like logistically, camera wise. But yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I think she's like a wedding gown designer. She Vera Wanged. That that, that fits. We know that, that she doesn't Vera Wang she anybody veered, in this movie. She, no, she don't. Unless uh, you count the weird ghost boning scene. Wait, is the, oh what? <laughs> I missed that. Was that in the special features? Well, her and Mark Ruffalo, they like spend an evening together, and they're like. There's a scene where okay, the, if anything, we can call that a hand job, just because they put their hands on each yeah, other. Yeah, and she's like, he's like, "Are you nervous?" I'm like, "Nervous for what?" She's not corporeal. Like, what are you guys going to be doing to each other? We're nervous because this is the first time that we haven't fought in a long time, right? So, so she presumably is dead, yeah, or dies, or is not with the living. Then cut to we meet Mark Ruffalo, who's a kind of a sad sack, not. Hulk guy. <laughs> he is. He is a sad sack, not Hulk guy. He's basically playing the Hulk after he's... For all we know, he could be the Hulk. I mean, he's very mild-mannered in this one. He's mild-mannered, and he's going from place to place with a realtor who is showing him places to rent. Yeah, that's a thing. In San Francisco, that's a thing. It seemed ridiculous yeah. to me. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, well... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so he's he's traveling around with this lady who's just like, why don't you like these places? Mm -hmm. And he's sitting on the couches and he can't quite get a couch that he likes. But he finally does get a couch he likes in where? Reese Witherspoon's old apartment, of course. Of course. The horse, of course. The horse is the famous Mr. A. Because she's dead, maybe. <laughs> and... What happens is he takes that place, and then... He runs into Reese Witherspoon. Thank you. Yeah, and she's like, get out of my 
house? What are you doing here? Yeah, and she does like, the Casper thing where she's like, ah! ah! Like, she's a ghost that's scared of people. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so for the basically like the first, next quarter of the movie, he's thinks he's might be going insane or that she's a ghost. And um, he tries to exorcise his house of any kind of paranormal activity. Sounds like you were talking about getting rid of a horse. The horse is the famous Mr. Exorcise. Exorcise. Is that what they've been doing this whole time? And it's ve- it's very Robin kind of pointed out that it felt very 90s for a 2005's movie because it's like they're doing the whole like Catholic um, thing. And then they have like like people from Chinatown come over and do like, you know, a ceremony. And then the Ghostbusters come over. They got the rights for Ghostbusters for this movie. Yeah, this was... Was it the same studio though? It might have been. They might have gotten away with it because it. No, it's not. It was not the same studio. Ghostbusters is Sony and this was from... Paramount? I want to say Paramount. Hold um, on, I'm scrolling down. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Dolby. It was done in Dolby Digital. <laughs> Good for them. Good job, guys. I can't find it. Um, I'm looking at my rom-com Blu-ray shelf, which I added a sweet-ass haul today at Everyday Music. Thanks, guys. I got Forgetting Sarah Marshall. No. Classic. <laughs> I thought you were going to list all of them. No. Um, I'm looking... And like I'm thinking of '90s high concept rom coms, like Blast from the Past is like my go to like high concept sure. rom com, which is a very '90s movie. So I married an axe murderer, maybe. Right. Uh, what else do we got? Um, Return to Me. <laughs> That's a very like sure high concept thing. Um, Notting Hill, kinda in the sense of like it's, it's got this, stars it, in it. It's just got this kind of like what if idea, and it's just going off of that premise. Sure. Right. Um, so 90s rom-coms were very like all about this like concept and not really else to it. And that's what this movie's doing. It's like, what if this ghost of the girl is haunting his house? Right. There's not much else. No, there really isn't. And so we're basically, um, and we're led to believe at the beginning of this movie that poor sad Hulk was broken up with brutally by like his ex-wife. Yeah. And because we catch him like drinking all the time and he's watching old videos of their wedding and it's very sad. And he's then he goes on a walk and he holds out his thumb and he's waiting for people to pick him up off the side of the road. But nobody will. (laughs) Cue Hulk song. Like what happens after that? So can we talk about his buddy, I guess? So then he he hangs out with the most inappropriate therapist friend that he seems to have. And my read on the guy is that he seems to be a therapist, that the movie is intimating that he's a therapist, but the movie's kind of like, but he's not that good of a therapist. Sure. And later on in the movie, they talk about him having no morals, but it's like, they haven't really convinced me up until this point that he has no morals. Maybe he is a disgraced therapist because there are things you can do to just get kicked out of the therapist. I would have liked to know what he did if that were the case or that he (laughs) did get kicked out. You know what you should have done? I say you as if you wrote the movie. But <laughs> well, they, you want to rewrite the movie? Right right before we even describe it, let's rewrite it. Sure. You write your first draft with your heart. And you rewrite with your head. <laughs> Have Donald Logue date, be dating a patient and like... Like the patient like comes and joins yes, them for exactly. a drink. And... <laughs> It like starts off like really innocuously where Mark Ruffalo is like, "Hey, how's it going? Like, what's new?" And she's like, "You're oh. talking about the anti-Fraser." Yeah. How 
dare you? And then, I don't know, I, I'm not good at this part, but some kind of punchline where this, like, we realized that they met while he was being her therapist. Right, and then he turns, he's like, oh, she's not anymore. We, we like, as soon as we, like, went on our fifth date, we, we I stopped treating her. Right, and Mark Ruffalo does that, like, oh. caterpillar eye thing, like, yeah. oh, my. <laughs> I'm Mark Ruffalo. Oh. Um, it's like Russ. Russ Ross. Ross Russ. Ross Ross. Ross Ross. So basically, uh, she she starts bothering him because she keeps trying to get him out of his uh, her apartment. Um, it's it's very classic ghost story. She's like, yeah. I'm haunting this place because it's mine. Get yeah, out. Get out of here. And they, she, he meets Napoleon Dynamite. It, right? <laughs> yeah. John is that Heater. actually him? Yeah, John Heater. I knew it. Yeah. Robin, yeah, yeah. I knew it. She this didn't is think it was you. Napoleon Dynamite? I was like, that's Napoleon Dynamite. She's like, no, no, it's not. Oh. I was like, oh, it's not? I thought it was. Okay. <laughs> Robin, I really hate to break it to you, but in the trailer, it goes, Napoleon Dynamite's John Heater. Nice. Very good. I love that. I feel like we're being haunted by the trailer guy yeah. right now. So- <laughs> Goodbye. No, don't go. No, go. He just mooned us. So Ghost butts are even whiter. <laughs> John Heater slash Napoleon Dynamite is working at a metaphysical, metaphysics slash paranormal, bookstore. parapsychology bookstore. Mm-hmm. And he's the only one who can be a true medium in the house and senses that there's a spirit. And he's like, you got to move out, dude, because she's not going anywhere. And Reese Witherspoon's like, ha, I win. But then John Heater's like, you got to be nicer to Sad Ruffalo because he's been widowed. And then Reese Witherspoon's like, aww. And at the same time, they go visit her basically in her, in her, but they find out that she's in a coma. Right. They have the, like the middle act is them getting to know each other while they like do this detective work of figuring out who they're, she is because she's a ghost. like Nancy Drewing all over the yeah, place. Yeah. And she forgot who she is. So they have to like go be deductive together and find and so out they, who she is. They meet her neighbors. There's one that's like extraordinarily sexual. Yeah. Um, and really wants to bone down with Mark Ruffalo. And um, they detective their way to the hospital. They see that her body's there and then he touches her hand and she can feel it. And then they have a moment together. They have a moment. They have a moment. It's such a moment. And then, like, basically the last part of the plot is they're going to unplug her because that's what she wanted in her, like, stipulation as a doctor. And... Their plan is to steal the body so they can do something else that isn't doing that. Right. (laughs) They have not thought this plan through. They have a a romantic night where they kind of like sleep together and it's all about her kind of – they don't sleep together. They just like lie in a bed next to each other um, because she's incorporeal. Yes. And um, then he steals the body and he wakes her up um, by touching her and then – He does the – that's Prince Charming, right? It's kissing. Prince Charming is. But yeah, it's basically the same thing. I mean, what's the, what's the, that's Snow White? Uh, Snow White. Beauty. It's, what's Sleeping Beauty? It's both. Who's, because she's who's poisoned. Who's the prince in Sleeping Beauty? Well, in Sleeping Beauty, it's Prince Valiant. Wrong, sir. Wrong. Is it? Yeah. And in Snow White, it's just the prince dude, the prince man, Prince Arino. Or maybe just Prince. <laughs> Wait, are you, are you trying to make a trope? No, I'm just. I just think it's funny that pretty much all the classic Disney movies had some kind of unconscious woman that was like made unconscious. Oh yeah, I mean those were those were all stolen from Grimm, uh, of course. Um, the collected stories of the Grimm brothers. Um, but 
Yeah, so he wakes her up, but she doesn't remember him, and so he's even sadder, Ruffalo. Um, <laughs> yeah. But then he makes her a garden on her roof, and she's really happy, and she remembers him as soon as they touch. And then, you know, kisses. Kisses! And that's the movie. Okay, so, if you can't already tell, it's a silly little plot. It's a flimsy little conceit. Yeah. And the movie knows it. I, I like the conceit a lot. Mm-hmm. I think I think the... The concept of just being haunted by someone that you fall in love with is something that we can keep going back to as a genre if you just keep it fresh in some way. Yeah, it's it's the plot of Blythe Spirit where the the main character gets revisited by or visited by the spirit of his ex-wife. Is it Gilbert Blythe from Anne of Green Gables? Oh. Or is oh, one of their names Blythe? Yeah, that's it's yeah, it's the Anne of Avonlea, you know, cinematic universe. It's the the <laughs> Halloween episode of Anne of Avonlea. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, and uh, yeah, so that part of the the movie I really didn't mind. Uh, was there a part of the movie you did mind? Uh, do we want to jump into it? Let's jump into it. Can I go first? Yeah, go ahead. I think if you can embrace the movie's cheese, embrace the movie's flimsy plot, it's just kind of a silly plot, mm-hmm. um, and just kind of lean into its its like generic fantasiness of just like, the movie's just like, I don't know, ghosts and stuff. <laughs> like, there's no, like, mythology holding anything sure. together. Um, I think this is a low-key, charming, hidden gem. I don't think it's a great, great, great rom-com, but it got me feeling warm, fuzzy feelings. Uh, and I don't think it's trying to do much else. It's kind of just a modest little film in that regard. Mm-hmm. So, for me... It stuck the landing. It nailed it. Mm. I really liked it. Okay. I think all the things that you were talking about in regards to its basic concepts to the fact that it's, you know, not necessarily trying to give like a lot of credence to why this happened or how it happened. I think that's all fine. I think Mm. this movie isn't really steeping itself much in its own mythology. It's not trying to be something that lasts through the the ages. Yeah. It's just a, a polite... I would almost call it a polite little rom-com. <laughs> you know, there's some elements where I'm like, you yeah, know, you could have just softened this a bit and we could have been in a PG territory where it's always nice to have like more kid-friendly rom-coms out there. Like Return to Me is a nice little, you know, kid-friendly rom-com. This almost is, except for the sex-crazed neighbor. Yeah, I mean, that's basically the only thing that makes it 13. Yeah. And and, and that, the fact that he drinks a lot, I guess. Yeah, but in, in that regard, I can watch this with a 12-year-old kid and be like, sure. you're you're old enough for this. We can have a nice little time. Yeah, and, um, but... The 12-year-old kid is related to me. I'm not just hanging out with some 12-year-olds. <laughs> hey, kid, you want to come in here and watch a movie about ghosts? <laughs> it's going to be my son in 11 years, okay? <laughs> um, but I think... That I don't like the filmmaking very much. I think this is a pretty uncharismatic role for both Ruffalo and for Reese. It's pretty low-key Ruffalo, right? It is. It's very low-key Ruffalo. Here's the thing. I didn't dislike them. I like both of them. Um, I just don't really think... I was pretty underwhelmed. See, I've seen Reese Witherspoon do much worse. She's very... I didn't think she was bad. I thought she was good. I thought they weren't doing too much with her. Oh, uh, what I really did like were the like the body comedy that they did with Mark Ruffalo, mm-hmm. where he, like she jumps into his body and starts like possessing him and controlling him. Yeah, I thought that was a lot of fun. But this movie for me almost lacked, outside of the actors, lacked charisma. 
Um, uh, I'm gonna need some more from you. What would you do in in addition to what they did to give it some more charisma? Um, I felt like a lot of the scenes were kind of sleepy. Sleepy? It's a ghost movie. They're ghosts. They're ghosts. They're dead. There's yeah, but that doesn't mean they're asleep. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what to tell you. Um, it. Did they did they lack like a Ferris Bueller-ness to it? Was there was there a lack of anarchy? Maybe. I think it was more maybe Was it all Cameron Fry and no Ferris Bueller? A little bit. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, actually. Um I I liked them as actors. They don't have as little chemistry as Reese Witherspoon and Vince Vaughn did when we watched Four Christmases. Oh man. I was just reminded of like what a bad couple they made. Like, sure. if you met those people in real life and someone was like, do you think Reese Witherspoon's character and Vince Vaughn's character would get along? If you were that friend, you'd be like, oh, no, no, do not put them together. They will not get along. I, I get why you might fall in love with somebody in this situation, but the movie wasn't really doing a, a ton showing me like, ooh, this person's slowly falling in love with this one. Uh-huh. It wasn't doing enough for me. No, I, So I was a little underwhelmed. Well, I, I think... There's something it's we talked about how like the movie brings its rubric with it and it's just kind of like like when a when an actor does their like slate and they're like, Hi, I'm Ryan Graves, I'll be auditioning for the part of Mercutio <laughs> and here we go. Mm-hmm. It's like this isn't Shakespeare in the park, this isn't even like community theater Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. The movie kind of sets out and be like, Look, we're high school Shakespeare. We are junior year Shakespeare. We're not going to be going very hard at this. So we watched What to Expect while you were when you're expecting last mm-hmm. week, right? Why do you like this film more than that one? Because I feel like that movie for some reason landed better than this one for me even though I liked this concept more. It's kind of like you listen to an early Beatles album where they haven't yet like gotten really interesting musically. It's just kind of nice melodies. Sure. This movie felt like nice melodies. It's just kind of like, okay, you know, there's there's not really much to it, but I like the singing. It's nice. Sure. A movie like What to, Ex- what to Expect When You're Expecting. Mm-hmm. Are we saying that right? Yeah. 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 I felt like there was some just like, it was nice, but there was like, it wasn't totally on, it wasn't totally in key. You're saying it's the White Album. <laughs> no, no. Like where, where are too many disparate <laughs> things going on? No, no. The White Album is a masterpiece. Okay. I don't think what to expect masterpiece. But I felt like in that movie, it just wasn't, everyone wasn't in the same key. There were some flat voices and some sharp voices, like in a choir. Like when there's some voices that are just not, not in the right pitch. Mm-hmm. That's how that movie came off where it's like, I'm not really, something's just a little off. Whereas this is like, you're not trying very hard musically, but at least you are in tune. Right. I, I think that stuff bugged me probably a little bit more than you this time. Like with the whole doctoring bit, mm-hmm. she, one, doctors often are on for a very long time, sometimes over 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Her her doctor being like, you've worked too hard today. You've been here for 23 hours. You need to go home. This is a movie. And the this fact, is a movie. The fact that she was like, also like cutting people open. And like I was like, are you a surgeon? Are you a doctor? This is are a you- movie where... Mark Ruffalo is haunted by a Reese Witherspoon, and you're you're asking for more realism in the the hospital scenes. Ryan, just be uh, you know more than anybody. We, I mean, we've had this conversation before. Just because you have a fantasy, doesn't mean that it doesn't live 
in like some semblance of the rest of the world has to be real for this thing to be a fantasy, right? I don't I don't think she I mean, of all the scrubs that I've watched, this is what I'm like basing all my doctor facts off of. Sure. If you're doing like a 24 hour stretch, it's kind of like part of that you're on call. But she seemed to be on on for 24 hours straight that her only break was a 10 minute like snooze and then she was on the whole time. So I bought it. I was into it. Okay. I thought I thought a lot of the doctor stuff was off. I thought like just weird stuff that I kept thinking about like Mark Ruffalo hasn't worked for a long time and he's just like going to these different apartments renting and and he just seems like I don't know what Mark Ruffalo's like whole deal if, is if is he she, just really rich no is, if she had life insurance right if they both had life insurance and she died he'd get a payout wouldn't he who mark ruffalo um, i don't know maybe like we don't know any of this stuff that's the only thing i can assume is that there is life insurance and he got a payout because she died and the they had life insurance for like 10 years so th- I, this movie i think the reason why it underwhelmed me is you don't always need it if the movie like is exciting enough to pull you along but i just felt such a lack of detail uh like it, it just i and I, here's the thing I'm not going to just climb on this movie and punch it the whole time. There was a lot that I found pleasant in it. But most of the time, I was just like, kind of like rolling my eyes just a little bit. Like, here, can you describe to the audience what I'm doing? Uh, he subtly rolled his eyes with a je ne sais quoi of passive interest. Like, I, a lot of the conversations were people, again, like standing in a room talking to each other, being like, oh, yeah, you're here, so we're going to have a conversation here. Oh, you've come to this bar, so we're going to sit what, and have no, a conversation what, what, at this what, what, bar. What, what, what is this? This is this is the most unfair criticism. Every scene, there's some kind of special effects going on. It's not just people in a room talking. It's not like some French New Wave film where people are stacking matches against each other. There's no, a no, lot no. going on cinematically. That, sh- well, there there is a lot of green screen going on, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of like plating going on. Mm-hmm. But... It's it's not done in an especially good way. And no. so it's it's more you're talking about something be, feeling a little out of key. A lot of the time where they were on the roof, I was like, oh, this is all green screened. Yeah, it like, tricked me the first time I saw it in theaters though. So and that's all they were going for. Yeah, were were you in high school? Yeah. Okay. I, and I didn't know the difference, but it's really especially bad now when you're looking at the reflection of the light in her hair. It's just green. It's, <laughs> but it's like that throughout the whole movie. Like she's she's sitting inside at one point in time at like her her nice nook. Like, gosh, it's a nice apartment. And like there's light coming in from the outside, but it's a hugely different color than the sunlight. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why is there a big yellow light shooting? At I, her right I now? liked the Spielbergian dusty air throughout the entire film. Oh my film. gosh. They were only hazing up that apartment. They were like, we need more. <laughs> more, Bring more, it in. more. It looked like Schindler's List in there. It was, I, I, I thought it was very pretty <laughs> in spite of that. Well, it was, but it made no sense. I know. I know. And the movie is just a flimsy rom-com. And I just think, and that's why I'm not defending. It's like, no, I'm not going to say it's great cinema, but it made me feel special. So, and well, I think okay, that's yeah, all. Yeah, let's that talk about let's let's do that next. Let's talk about what like made us feel made us feel special. Yeah. What made What do you mean made you feel special? You know when you have like tomato soup and it makes your belly all warm. Okay, so it made you feel happy. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, come on, I don't think this all this movie is trying to do is make you feel happy. It has one goal. 
Just that goal. It's not trying to make you think about anything. It's just saying like, it's just this big blanket and a canister of tomato soup with the grilled cheese. Yeah, my can eat it. Yeah, my it was like somebody handed me. Oh, it's like going over to like a friend's house that I got you this lukewarm grilled cheese. Basically, it's like they're like I heated up this grilled cheese sandwich. It was in the fridge. I hope you like it. I'll be like, yeah, I was actually hungry. And then they gave me some tomato soup and it's a little watered down. I'm like. Look, you're being real nice right now, so I'm going to enjoy this, and thank you so much, but I'm not going to ask you to cook for me again. <laughs> okay. Uh, maybe, yeah, we got time for this. Maybe I should state my bias at the door. Okay. Because I actually have a really special connection to this movie. Oh, okay. Lay it on me. This was my first date movie. Your first ever first date movie? Yes. <laughs> it makes so much sense. <laughs> okay. Uh, how was the date? Was this the one with the kiss at the end at the door and the parents... Yeah, did I tell that part of the story? Yeah. Uh, so don't go into that. Okay. Well, what if people have heard those? Well, too bad for that. At least, at least like zip through it, because I've heard it 20 times. It was a good... Excuse me. Sorry. <laughs> I don't have nearly as many date stories as you. I've had one girlfriend in high school and then Sarah, so I don't get to be Mr. Cool Guy like you, where you're like, I went to France and made out with this Irish girl in Scotland. Oh. Did that... you not do that? Hold on. Wait. I went to... Hold on. What happened? How did I get from France to Scotland? I don't know. You're backpacking through Europe or something. Oh, yeah, Through yeah. Lake Tipidabo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, could, you, you can make up some dates sometime. I wouldn't mind. Okay. I won't tell anybody. I was backpacking through Europe in Lake Tipidabo. <laughs> nice. Okay, so... Been there. The Made out with someone. <laughs> this, this movie came out in 2005. <laughs> I was in high school. 2005 was a good year for me. Revenge of the Sith was coming out. I was feeling great. But this movie it came make you feel special. <laughs> yeah, uh, this movie came out, and I started dating uh, this girl. She was new to town. It was kind of perfect because she was in high school band with us, and she was a percussionist just like me. And it was just kind of like, I don't know. It was the first time ever I had was like, I have like eight opportunities to ask you out. I could show you around town. We could be drummers together. We have similar interests. You could go play on street corners. <laughs> yeah. So we went to Red Robin for dinner. And this was in the day and age where I didn't have a debit card. It was like I had an ATM card. And so I thought I had enough cash. Oh, I remember those days where you're just like, okay, I have $32 in my bank account, which uh-huh. means that if we both order something that is $12 tops, well, I have to afford the movie. Maybe if I just don't order something. Yeah. So what happened was I was like, I can afford dinner. Then the bill came. It was like. And she was like, do you need me to help anything? Like, you know, the classic date thing. And I was like, no, 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 I got it. And then the bill came. I was like, actually, if you want to, like, pay for the tip, that'd be cool. Because <laughs> I was definitely did not budget correctly. Did you tip well? I remember being kind of I a bastard <laughs> in high school with tipping. <laughs> I don't ex- I don't expect anything from anyone under 18 to tip well. No. Yeah, they don't, they don't know better unless their parents raise them right. But if you're 21 and you're ordering drinks, that's on you, friend. You better know what you're doing. Yes. Uh, we went to the movie and it was like one of the first rom-coms I actually wanted to see, but 90% of me wanted to see it because I was going on a date with a girl. 90% of you wanted to see something else. No, I wasn't in that headspace. I was totally <laughs> oblivious. Uh, but yeah, we went to the Issaquah nine. What up Issaquah? How's it going? Uh, I nine. I nine. We don't call it that. <laughs> Taking a stab in the dark there. We... I, we enjoyed it. And then we went and talked about it at Barnes & Noble Cafe afterwards. Nice. Barnes & Noble Cafe is sometimes the only place you can go Yeah, after eight. And I very distinctly remember there was a couple sitting behind my date 
uh, at the Barnes and Noble, like Mackin, like insanely. And I was very distracted. That's that always like whenever that happened to me in um, like high school or college, it always reminded me of that scene in Harry Potter five where like him and Cho go to like a restaurant <laughs> yeah. and everybody is like having yeah. a romantic time and they're like, we don't know how to do this. Yeah, I was totally out of my element. Then I took her home and there was awkward, you know, first kiss stuff there. And yeah, classic. So I remember in the movie, I remember enjoying it, but I remember really enjoying the night because I had my first date and sure. it went off modestly successfully. Sure. And then we started like being boyfriend, girlfriend after that. And then three weeks later, we broke up. But either way, those three weeks were good. I have a, actually, since you brought it up earlier, a very similar story about like me and Schindler's List and a date. And no, I was going to say. Like Schindler's List, worst date movie ever. ever. Um, well, like that's nice, and I can't, I can't separate. Like, I think when we finally get to thirteen, going on thirty, I mm-hmm. had one of my first best dates, Ooh. like best first dates, yeah. during that time, and so I feel you. Uh, I, I, I also just want to say this weird thing happened to me when I was watching the movie last night. I, mean, I can't have to describe it. It, okay. it wasn't sexual in nature, I promise. Okay. But it was a weird thing. So Mark Ruffalo and his ghost girlfriend have passed. Um, they're in the restaurant that she never gets to go to because she's too busy. Right. That's her subplot. Yep. She was always too busy. Yep. Could do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's it. <laughs> There's nothing yep. else to her. Um, and the guy keels over and she like tells him how to do like. Not a like a tracheotomy, but on his like stomach. Mm-hmm. I didn't really understand what medically was going on with him, but it was something going on in his chest that made him pass out. And Reese Witherspoon is coaching him through, like knifing him open so that he could get some air out of his gullet or something. Sure. Before any of that started, they entered the restaurant, and somewhere deep in the recess of my mind said, "It's the scene," <laughs> and I just started laughing. Just that kind of nervous, like chuckle of like why am i laughing and i was like laughing and then it got to the part where i obsessed over that scene for like six months when he's like maybe we can find a clip and play it he's breathing he's breathing he's breathing i'm a doctor i'm a doctor i know yeah that's very good (laughs) i just lost it in the theater i laughed so hard and here i laughed so hard and it was the weirdest mental link of i haven't seen this movie since 2005 but my brain is like you love this scene it was your funniest scene of 2005 and i'm like it was so there is a lot going on with me psychologically emotionally yeah 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 i mean this movie if i got to watch those scenes again where I think the shtick was the best thing about this movie yeah. where like they're when you're playing with somebody who is there and who isn't there, I've based an entire TV show on mm-hmm. this concept. I think it's a hilarious concept and there's so much comedy you can draw from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also don't have that connection. And so those moments were like, ah, little bright points for me, but I wasn't busting up and rolling on the floor laughing. Yeah. And- but that line is very good. Yeah, and I don't think this is a super funny movie either. I don't think it's like I'm going to throw it into the pantheon of great comedies out there. Sure. Where in in our in our pantheon, this is like movie 65, 66 or something like that. Where does this rest for you in like um movies that you love and would go back to? It's in the solid camp of ah, I love that movie. I'm going to throw that on. Okay. <laughs> but it's not it's not in the camp of 
I want to watch a movie to pay close attention to, like Notting Hill, When Harry Met Sally, Sleepless in Seattle. It doesn't have anything anywhere near that quality. How much were you on your phone last night? None. Okay. I well, had a great time. Well, there you go. So, so, so. Yeah. Were you on your phone, mister? No, not at all. You were giving all. me shit about it last week. No, Robin, uh, Robin and I watched the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> he sure puts that... Uh, he, he sneaks up to her roof and sure puts up that garden fast, doesn't he? I think he had a few days to do it. And yeah. if you have, like, a buddy, yeah. bring you a bunch of potted plants. Yeah, and neither of you got arrested for you, stealing a body because you woke her up. And you got nothing else to do for 72 hours? Yeah. Yeah, like he, he obviously has nothing to do. He doesn't have a job. No. Well, maybe he has like residuals. Like he has these gardens that he's he, just kind of all like All of those tending. garden royalties. Yeah, but <laughs> it, it sounded like he was just making sure they did. Oh, he's a gardener. We didn't explain this. He he's is, well, he's a landscaper. Oh, we also should explain the yeah. whole magic that reconnects them is that he she, was going to go on a blind date with her right. at the beginning of the movie and they didn't know it. And that's something they figured out at the end. Of so the movie. let's talk about this. this is actually, let's talk about this in trope talk. Cool. Hey everybody. Welcome to trope talk. It's like taupe talk, but a color you actually know. Ooh, I don't like taupe. Me neither. I, I well, mainly it confuses me. Mm. So what we have here is I want to call it destiny. Like the indescribable hand of destiny, mm-hmm. right? I was thinking about talking about, you know, kissing and waking up as a trope because you brought that up earlier and that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. But in this movie, we are convinced by the very manufacturings of the producers and storytellers that there is a sense of magic and destiny out there in the world that is pushing these two people together. Or at least there is a tenuous connection that is somewhat unexplainable. And it's even made even more unexplainable by the fact that they don't explain it in this movie, which is sometimes a very powerful storytelling technique. Like a lack of explanation can make your imagination do wonders to kind of fill in the blanks of a story, right? Mm-hmm. Now, in this movie, the first scene that we get is Reese Witherspoon sitting in this beautiful garden. It's a garden that the murderer Jigsaw would love because it's kind of twisty and weird. And, <laughs> and um, but it's nice, right? It's like a really pleasant scene. It's very magical. It feels... Um, the color temperature is very warm. Very warm color temperature. A lot of red flowers. And it's just a place where you feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's nice, like it's this movie. It's the feeling you're supposed to have when you're watching this movie. Right. And so this movie sets you up for that. And then she's woken up out of her dream uh, because she's actually at work, right? And so before she even meets Mark Ruffalo, there's just something about the inner workings of fate that are directing her footsteps. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Yep, 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 yep. So at this point in time, if you're a fatalist, you're like, well, it doesn't matter what she does. She's going to end up where she's going to end up. Mm-hmm. Then she's supposed to meet Mark Ruffalo on this date, which, you know, this movie doesn't try to hide from you that Mark Ruffalo was the person that she was supposed to meet on the date, even though it kind of tries to hide it. And then later on, he's the only person that like touches her hand and she can feel it why we don't really know and then he's the only person who can see her and later on he brings her to that garden and it kind of like jogs extra bits of her memory and then he's the one that wakes her up and then he's the one that kisses her and gives her back her memories Mm -hmm. why any of this happened or why they're supposed to be together we don't know Mm -hmm. sometimes that works really well 
and sometimes it doesn't. In this movie, for me, it was kind of nothing. Mm-hmm. I I wish I wish that sense of like freedom, like in order for for like generally it to mean something, people have to ask the question, at least beg the question, and they do at one point in time in this movie. He starts saying, "Why me? Why me?" And he starts begging this question, and they they almost forget about it at one point in time because the answer is just because. Because, well, the because is that they were, they did have a date set up and it's the flimsiest becauses. Right. And so the fact that they even, I think, tried to answer it in a movie that had no answer to give made it uh, detract from the rest of it for me. At its most basic, it's you're fated to be together. It didn't work out in the real world. So we're making it happen. We're making it happen in the metaphysical world. Why does this work better sometimes in other films? Um, and what are those films? Because those other films are for children. <laughs> well, I, well, yeah, but why Why are we more willing and able to accept things like that in a children's movie? It's the suspension of disbelief. Correct. Now, I I really want to ask you, as an, as an artist, as a writer, as somebody who has to make others suspend their disbelief. What is it like creating a world that is consistent in its expectations? Because if if this movie is asking you to suspend your disbelief, but then it's also asking you to take it seriously in another respect, then like that there's kind of a dysphoria there, right? Right. I'm thinking about Star Wars, mm-hmm. as I often do. Ah, me too. What was my quote? It was from Taika Waititi. It doesn't take itself too seriously, but it believes in itself. Mm-hmm. That's how Star Wars operates. Yep. And I think that's why its suspension of disbelief never wavers is because it's like, okay, this is a movie series. The story is about people who fly through the air with lightsabers and can move things with their mind and have really bad dialogue. But none of that matters because it's got heart. It's earnest. Yes. Yeah. Um, and other fairy tales, it's it's a similar thing where it's like this is a weird thing where frogs talk and they're princes and, but it's got heart. It's it's the whole reason we're willing to forgive something like okay, like let's say we're watching uh the '90s Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Right. And it's like okay, yeah, he did kidnap her. Yeah, he kept her in his castle. Yeah, he's not necessarily a very nice guy. But why does she fall in love with him? And. That is a question we are reevaluating these days. <laughs> but at the same time, when you see the heart of something and you see how earnest it is, sometimes it strips away the badness of it, right? Mm-hmm. And the like we can say the cheese or the like whatever about a film might make you take it less seriously is more than forgiven if it has enough heart. Mm-hmm. Now, I think my problem with this film is that it didn't have enough heart. Yeah, but how do you keep it from tilting towards the saccharine? Well, I mean, that's the trick of a good filmmaker. Let's say Notting Hill. Oh, okay. No, no. Like, like this is... I mean, we're just comparing... That's like comparing Logan Paul to Floyd May- Mayweather. What's the guy, is that guy's name? Is that his name? Logan Paul? Yeah. You know, the big YouTube... The YouTuber who went and fought the uh, actual boxer? Well, okay. We're... <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Okay. Well, what I'm... I, I'm bringing this up because Mark Waters is a producer. Yep. Um, But he directed this movie. What else has he directed? I think he did Vampire Academy, where vampires suck. 
Nice. Uh, Bad Santa, Mr. Popper's Penguins. Um, and he directed one of our favorites, Mean Girls. Aha! Okay. I think the Mean Girls thing is because of its killer script. Because in that episode, we're like, uh, direction's competent. Yeah. But it's, it's all in the writing that this movie works. And I think the this if if this movie is going to like work work well Mm -hmm. it needs some competency Mm -hmm. right uh but it also needs something that um that keeps bringing it along otherwise it's just going to be mediocre yeah right and i think for me the there was a lack of direction in this film it was almost like a, I'm going to babysit this while it gets made kind yeah, of direction. I, 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 it felt like Mark Ruffalo was mad at the director half the time he was acting. I think this is a an example of a good first script. I don't know if it is. I don't know what the writers... There's what, three writers on this movie. I don't know if they've done anything else. They they have. Okay. Or did they do much before this script? Um. Yeah, there were some 90s credits. Let me, let me check. Because the story beats feels very... You just finished a book by Robert McKee, screenwriting guru, and he just told you what 10 things you need to have in your script for it to be successful. Sure. Yeah, very much so. I'm sitting there and I'm just kind of narrating myself, okay, so the conflict now in this beat is he's being haunted. What's What's the conflict here? He's got to get rid of the ghost. And it just feels... It feels very elemental and it feels very like scholastic in some ways where mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like an inspired story. It just kind of feels like, a, OK, I've got a conceit. How what do it feels I like craft is a, a something pitch. around it? Yeah. Like one like I feel like with these three writers. Um, yeah, there's um, Americans. America's Sweethearts is on here. Mm-hmm. I like America's Sweethearts. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you had a story concept writer who like wrote a first draft you had somebody else come up and come in and do punch-ups and then you had somebody who got credits because they came up with a couple of things yeah 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 uh i speaking of that i just watched raya and the last dragon oh how was that it was good okay (laughs) it could have been better because Mm -hmm. i kid you not it had three screenwriters for the screenplay and it had 10 contributors to the story one two three four five six seven eight nine ten and the thing is, if you get credit, you can you can affect a storyline and be uncredited. There's there's all yeah. movies have uncredited story contributors. But when you're getting a credit, that means the producers have looked at what you did and said, okay, enough material is here in the storyline that I need to credit this person. Ten people. And the movie is good because it has a lot of cool moments, but there's no inspiration behind the storytelling where it's just a series of moments that are cool mm-hmm. but there's no there's nothing tying it all together and that's that's kind of what's happening in this movie it's like the first act where they have the obligatory conflict between the ghost and the guy being haunted by the ghost so what does he do he tries to get rid of the ghost and then that leads him to this it and feels like and then and then and then and then this, and then this. but you know that's why I'm saying I totally agree. The filmmaking is so uninspired. The writing is so uninspired. And it's nowhere near as good as Mean Girls. It's nowhere near as any of these other other good films. Even even other high concept films like Blast from the Past. But what I like Blast from the Past. <laughs> but why I'll defend this film to the to the core in me is and I and I really tried to not be attached to the sixteen year old kid who it's watched. It's really hard not to. I, but critically I was like Okay, let's let's just acknowledge that stuff at the front. But again, it got me in the warm fuzzies that 
uh, what you're expect what to expect when you're expecting didn't give for me, mm-hmm. or you know the two all the boys because I think there's some flimsy filmmaking in the two all the boys trilogy, mm-hmm. and I think it's I think the those movies are going for the same thing where it's like don't take us too seriously we're teen movies we're just trying to make you feel good. And this movie is doing the same thing. But I, I, I really think Mark Ruffalo and Reese Witherspoon are a lot better than a lot of the acting we've seen in the past episodes. I think they're doing a good job for a very basic, very yeah, basic Yeah, I characters. agree. I agree. I mean, this is... I, I, I felt more in this movie than, like, say, something like Four Christmases, yeah. which I just bring up because of Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. But, yeah, and and I really did like the funny moments. Like, I, I liked... Um, is it John Heater? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is... I think he's really funny in this role. I I also can see why he didn't really have a career after this. Just because it's samey? Well, he's doing this kind of like San Francisco bro thing. Bro. He's <laughs> well, the last person I call a bro. But but like 2005 San, San Francisco bro where he's like, way to go, righteous brother. I'm into ghosts. Okay. That was my best St- Napoleon. Still not a bro, sorry. but I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Here. And... He just doesn't feel like in the same class as Ruffalo and Reese Witherspoon. And right, then again, these the are same... Oscar nominated actors he's, yeah. he's playing against. This movie, though, I feel like brought everybody to its playing field. Yeah. Yeah. So so I feel like they were all kind of equal because this movie brought like talent down. Way down. And it also like rose, uh, maybe didn't rise anything up, but it met like John Heater on his level. That yeah. being said, I I liked him in this movie because mm-hmm. I liked that character. I think with more filmmaking, though, going on, it would have it would have engaged me enough to make me want to come back to it. Yeah, like just because I like the concept so much. I think this movie is like cotton candy. I don't think it's enough for a meal. Sure. Yeah. But I'm glad that you I'm really happy knowing the context of your date that you got to go back to this and just felt good again. Yeah. Because it's been a long time since you felt good. And I just know. you. <laughs> um, but yeah. So like that's that's where I end on this movie. I really don't have that much more to say about it. What did you think of the chemistry? I didn't think it was bad, but again, it didn't make me believe that they were two people who necessarily should be in love. It's a weird thing because their like relationship in it is like not a relatable thing at all. Well, there's there's this one point in time where he comes back and he feels guilty because the like she's there and there's like this sex pot crazy lady who yeah. like has come into his apartment and is like taking off all her clothes and he's like no 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 which is true he wasn't trying to have sex with this person yeah. he was tempted by it but he at this point in time we're supposed to believe that he has a thing for her and I I was involved where I was like I really hope Reese Witherspoon doesn't come across what's happening right me now. too yeah. I was too but I just didn't I, I think there's something to be said for that dramatic involvement. I think there's a we know what this movie wants us to feel at this moment. Yeah. And at the same time though, I have no there's nothing in my logical brain that is connecting any dots. It's much more so I'm like, I know where I'm supposed to be in this movie right now. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to be okay, we're three quarters of the way through. This is the point where they're supposed to be admitting their feelings, but they're not. See, I just, it's easy listening movie going. It's just, it's its intentionally dumbed down so that you don't have to really be that involved as a viewer. And I think there's a place for that kind of movie. I know, I in just your, don't, in I your don't movie like when, diet. I just don't, 
I mean, that's Have fine. Have the cotton candy. No, I enjoy cotton candy movies. There's some cotton candy movies that talk down to you, though. I don't think that. I don't think this is talking down. I think you said it just dumbed itself down. I think it dumbed itself down, but I don't think it's patronizing. I think I think other movies in our in our canon is patronizing, but I thought this was just kind of like, hey, we're gonna take a chill like hour and a half to do this kind of nice story. But there's not. Don't worry about it. It's not. It's not a big hike. It's it's really just a walk. I mean, I feel that way about certain movies that I also enjoy watching, but this one, this one, I, I was right on the cusp the whole time. I was on the fence of either liking it or not liking it the whole movie. Mm-hmm. And so, would you recommend it? Would you recommend it to others to check out? I, I think this is one of those movies where it's a case by case basis who I'd recommend it to. I know the people I wouldn't recommend it to. Like people like you. Well, <laughs> well, people who are looking to get into rom-coms but are like, uh, I don't really know, I wouldn't recommend this movie. No, it's well, I mean, I think this is an emblematic movie of the cotton candy rom-com, which to be fair, most of the films in this genre are of this caliber. Right? The really good ones are the exceptions. They're not the rule. I don't know. We've been running into I'd say 3 quarters of the movies we've watched I'd rather watch than this one. Uh, yeah, but but you're not answering my question of in terms of how seriously does the movie want it to be taken by its audience member? You have the nearly art films of When Harry Met Sally, Notting Hill, Sleep in Seattle, 500 Days Summer. I'm not going to reward not a doing movie. That. I'm not going to reward a movie for being mediocre though. It's not I'm not going to say I'm, I'm, I'm not going to push s- back on mediocrity. It's not mediocre. I think it is. It's, it's I think it's a mediocrely made film. Okay. Well, you heard it here first. It's people. a 58 I'm, million dollar movie. Yeah. It's mediocrely made. It's all special made. effects. They it's, every scene has CGI in it. It's 2005 That doesn't CGI. make it a good decision. No, I know. But <laughs> but that's just studio execs being like, "Oh, let's make it a flashy special effects movie. The kids I, will like I, it." I know that you like the movie, and I don't want to make you defend it right now. Okay? No, I'm that's def- not what I'm trying to do. I'm going to defend it, and I'm going to say I really recommend this movie. If you're looking for a fluffy Cotton candy rom-com, look no further. I think there's a lot better fluffy cotton candy rom-coms that you can get. I even think like the great ones like Notting Hill are fluffy like this movie, but they're just much better. I think you can... I'm going to look you in the eye, audience member, or in the ear. I'm going to look in your ear right now, and I'm just going to say, you can do better. No. If you want to just get fat with some ice cream you there's better do movies fine. to do that with i don't know that's just me um all right well ryan uh at this point in time it seems like you've got one to give could you give this movie a rom-com oscar best picture <laughs> <laughs> just kidding guys you son of a bitch um Stranger Than Fiction <laughs> is a great movie. Yeah. I was just looking over on your shelf and I Stranger saw something. Stranger Than Fiction is not a cotton candy movie. It's a serious film. I saw that movie in philosophy class. So you cannot say that is a cotton candy movie. It is it, not a softball film. I mean, the whole conceit of that movie is that somebody runs a... There's a lot to dig into in that movie. There there's, is. There's... This, I, that's what I'm defending about this movie. It's like, no, it is a dumb movie. Of course, it's a dumb movie. There's yeah, not but a lot, there's to a dig lot into. of dumb movies that I like. I just don't like this one. It's okay, fine. your your barometer of dumb movies is weird because again, Stranger Than Fiction. Stranger Than Fiction is not dumb, but you weren't <laughs> calling this movie dumb before. You weren't even calling it mediocre. You were saying it was a really good movie. A really good dumb movie. <laughs> okay. 
That's that's the key thing. We both agree it's dumb. I just I, think I it's was a saying good dumb Fluffy. Movie. Fluffy to me is a movie that is made to make you feel good. It's made to make you feel cozy. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean it's dumb though. Mission accomplished for me. Okay. But dumb does not necessarily equate fluffy. Can we say that? Uh not necessarily, but they can correlate. They can, of course. They can correlate. So thanks for interrupting me with your Will Ferrell movie. <sighs> I like serious Will Ferrell. <laughs> He's good. Bring that back. Bring it all back. There's some things that I want to reward, like the greenery in this movie, <laughs> which seems silly, but it's just, it's really like, well done, guys. Are uh, you talking about the green screen? No, no, no. Oh, no, you're talking about the greens department. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, good job. And good job to the department that is in charge of landscapes because it's a oft overlooked career oh yeah <laughs> and there yeah, they people, do a lot of work that's all they do nine to five i like the filmmaking is so weird they have the like weirdest jobs necessary sometimes i met a snake wrangler on one, cool. of, one of the last projects i was on what do they call the guy who's in charge of all the fake guns like the armor or, arms uh, or yeah. what's his name well her um, name his name her name well there's yeah i think i think the armor that Something sounds like right. that but Weapon like weapon specialist i don't but, know but if there, I mean, there's so many movies where you're in charge of the fake guns. You're mm-hmm. the fake guns guy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I've never worked. I've only worked on one movie um, and we didn't have enough money. So I, as the AD, was in charge of those <laughs> and keeping them safe. It was. Wow. That's an intimidating. It was a job. lot of responsibility. <laughs> yeah. And I had to give like a talk before like every time. And I'm like, this is a fake gun. I am just letting you know this is a fake gun. I'm going to show you how fake it is. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Um, but you know, I, I want to just give a special mention to the greens department of this film. You had $57 million, so you got some help there, but looking real good. Everybody. 58 million. Don't forget that extra million. Um, Oh, <laughs> I will say I haven't seen the room, but there's a rooftop scene where it's all green screen. Mm-hmm. And one of the great things about the room is that Tommy Wiseau That's a had great scene. to do That's such a great scene. this scene on the rooftop and they green screened it. They could have shot on a real rooftop, but oh, he yeah. made them shoot on a green screen because there's a real <laughs> movie, Mark. <laughs> and like, I really, you know, as much as I'll defend the movie, I really do want to see a mystery science theater 3000, like a, or a riff tracks edition of just like heaven. Because when, as soon as Mark Ruffalo goes to the top of the roof, I want to go, Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> can we can we just do that yeah okay let's do it this weekend um so i'm not i don't want to give my oscar the greens feel because you did a good job you didn't do that good a job but maybe i should i can't do it we we haven't we haven't done it before best plants best plants it is i want to give this um okay we might end up watching ghosts so i'm not going to give it best ghost right okay i wouldn't do that can't give it that but what i want to do is give this best possession (laughs) <laughs> I thought the scene in the bar where he was where Mark Ruffalo and it's 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 akin to a best actor mm-hmm. like Oscar because he's doing all the work in this scene. Mm-hmm. Reese is not helping him. She's not actually there. I just mm-hmm. want to let the audience know she wasn't actually inside of him. Um, I don't know where their relationship you. went. Of course, it's inside of you. <laughs> um, but I, I really think that that kind of shtick is not everybody can do it. 
Mm-hmm. Not everybody can pull off not being in control of their own body. There's a tension in his body that I really liked. Mark Ruffalo's career is based on not being able to control the emotions inside. Oh, and now we're writing a paper. That's my secret, cat. I'm always angry. <laughs> In this essay, I will prove that Mark Ruffalo is the greatest actor of all time using only Just Like Heaven. (laughs) (laughs) No, you'd have to, uh, you'd also have to bring in references to the Hulk. Yeah. Uh, 13 Going on 30 is about him talking to somebody a lot who's in their older body. Right, right. right? A lot of body horror. (laughs) A lot lot of body, a lot of body, yeah, a lot of body (laughs) horror. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I'm going to give it Best Possession. Okay, Best Possession. Um, well, I must possess you to ask this. Are you being possessed to ask right now? Yes. You're pos- being possessed of the urge to ask. Reese Witherspoon is talking inside of you. Who would you love? Are there any circumstances in which uh, the two of you might be more than just good friends? The truth of it is I loved you from the first second I met you. <laughs> But mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. You have bewitched me, body and soul. And I love, and love, and love you. I know. So, Reese Witherspoon has a sister in this movie that we haven't really talked about much. Sure. Um, They at one point in time try to convince her not to kill her sister because... um, And... Just, you know, because they don't want her to die. And she threatens Mark Ruffalo with a big <laughs> cleaver. Big cleaver at one point in time when she says, I'll chop you. <laughs> I'll chop and you. And Mark Ruffalo like falls backwards over a kid. It's table. a great stunt. Great. Mm-hmm. Like he has great physical acting. Um I like I like her um for that, but I think I'm going to fall in love with um Rosalind Chow. Ah, her who, doctor friend. Who plays Fran, the doctor friend. She um, she also plays uh, Keiko on both Star Trek TNG and Deep Space Nine. Okay, I think you're bringing a little implicit bias here. Well, you know what? That seems to be what this episode's about. So <laughs> I, I actually think that she is super nice. She lets Mark Ruffalo um, like hang out in the room. Uh, when he's like visiting the body and pretending to be her ex-boyfriend and she really likes her friend. She's like the only person who seemingly is friends with her friend. And so I think, I think she's who I'm going to fall in love with in this movie. And she's a doctor. (laughs) I'm going with Reese Witherspoon because she too is a doctor. Well, that's good. We don't have to fight over the doctors. And I think she's just charming in this movie i think she's absolutely charming and wait what do you think is charming about her what do you mean by charming do you, is it just the fact that she is a good actress and she looks like reese witherspoon because i think her personality is very opposite of charming well she's got spunk i like spunk and she is bubbly but not annoying like there's a lot of charisma to her, but it's not over the top. It doesn't feel a lot. It doesn't ever feel like she's hamming it up. And so, I don't know. I just liked the way that she came off. I do too, but I'm. I guess I disagree with everything else you said. I don't think she's bubbly or charming. I do think she has a little bit of spunk, but I think she's extremely straightforward. I think she is, um, you know, 
just I think she's an extremely straightforward person. But not in a boring way. Like straight no, I don't forward. think she's. You don't have to be tr- like charming to not be boring. But what do you mean straightforward? Well, she is a doctor who works all the time. She doesn't really have time for anything else. When she wants Mark Ruffalo out, she just basically bothers him and does not let go of that bone. And then um, she gets really sad when somebody's gonna kill her. But, like, like <laughs> yeah, there's not, should. there's just not much to her character just, to call I charming. But the scene was so nice when she's talking about that photo of her and her sister, and they, were, she was talking about how, yeah, she's lamenting. She, there's nothing charming failed. about it. Though. I, I was charmed. It's not like she. She's Cary Grant charming where she was like, I think you mean attracted to like, that's okay. I don't think you should shy away from that. I think her personality was something you were attracted to. If I met this character at a party and we got to have all the conversations that happened in this movie across the party and you would say, (laughs) wait, cause she's a ghost. (laughs) Yeah. And you said, what did you think of her? I would have said, Oh, I think she's so charming. I'm just, I just found her very charming. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) But, but you know, when, other times we say charming, we mean Cary Grant, and he Cary Grants you, and that's a very different brand of charming. I just think there's a lot of other adjectives that are feeling lonely right now because you're not using them. <laughs> um, I say charming, you say... Normal? <laughs> I, I don't think she's a bad person. I just don't... There's... You think she's normal, you but you picked the more normal one of her friend who has really no personality compared to her because the movie's not even about her friend. No, yeah, that's that's my whole point. I feel like I know Rosalind Chow just as much as Reese Witherspoon, and she has like a minute and a half on scene. Can't argue with that. Good for you. <laughs> uh, I, I I like Rosalind Chow. I think she needs uh she needs somebody in, a, in this movie. The that's champion. Me. Yeah, you you can be her champion. Um. That's the movie, everybody. That's the movie, everybody. Uh, next week, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. We're going to watch A Night's Tale. And Ryan, I want you to promise mm-hmm. me and the listeners right now yeah. that you're going to approach this movie how you approached, or our next week's movie, how you approached this one. I didn't go on a date with anyone Not in the same the Night's way. Tale. You're say, but what um, you say, this is kind of an adage that you've lived by over the course of this podcast. You say that a movie teaches you how to watch it. Mm-hmm. Now I think I Knight's... know that a Knight's Tale is very irreverent in its in its style, and I know that going in, and I'm going to let it be itself. Okay, great. Because I I know your one complaint about the movie was that you hated the fact that it was a period piece that you used... I haven't seen it. I can't complain about a movie I haven't you, seen. You have complained to me about this though. Uh, that was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that ryan okay well i just wanted to make sure that i i forewarned you because you don't like when period piece films use modern music you just got to pull it off you got to inglorious bastards it all right well i cannot wait to show it to you and i would we'll almost want to watch this off. movie with you we'll gotta wear headphones because my son's gotta sleep okay we'll we'll see if we can't make it happen um but that's what we're watching next week did we get any uh letters any any what's it's no letters today but we gotta let the listeners know about this month's patreon poll so on this month's patreon poll you have four movies to pick from ryan what are our first two the five-year engagement it could happen to you our next two are Palm Springs and Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Hey! hey! So a lot of comedies, a lot of a lot of fun, lot of roms, a lot, lot of coms. lot of coms, a lot of roms going on. Um, and... You can vote at our Patreon mm-hmm. for just two dollars and fifty cents. You can vote for just a coffee a month. 
vote for the movie that you want us to cover. Yeah. If any of those are your favorite movies, come on. Come get the vote. Uh, vote for them. And don't be the tiebreaker where you don't break the tie. You yes, just... Rachel. <laughs> she no, knew actually, what thank she you was doing. Voting. She was being a little gremlin about that. Um, but yeah, we appreciate everybody who is on the Patreon. Thank you so much. Um, and if you want to join, just like we... We would really appreciate it. Like, it's nice to create a community uh, that is separate from just like us talking to you over the radio waves. And if you really like what we do and want to show your appreciation, that's a really great way to do it. We've got polls, we've got uh, essays every week on the weekly, and we've got bonus episodes on the monthly. Right now, uh, this month's bonus episode is our episode on Portal, the video game Portal. It's a video game called Portal. It's really good. It's, um, <laughs> <laughs> it does pass the Bechtel test for sure. Yes. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to ruin it though. I don't want to like go too much. If you want to learn more about our thoughts on it, go check out Patreon. Yeah. All right. Well, Hey, love you all out there, Ryan, but I especially love you. I'm in the same room as you for the first time in a long time. And oh, I'm sorry that, I'm sorry Here, I was down on this again. movie. Touch this my is, hands. This touch isn't my hands. how I wanted to do it. Mm. Oh, there's love. Oh, that sounded sexual. I love you. I love you. <laughs> <clears throat> And this is where we will say a goodbye. Ryan and Kelly must bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to our review. Rate and subscribe, we'll even take a bribe. So see you next week on A Gentleman's Guide. To rom-coms. <laughs>